It's 11.11. Welcome to the third and final hour of the Talking Point here on uh, SAFM with Sbongile Kumalo's uh, Kumbula Ukolo Luako. So it's health feature time. It's Wednesday. We rely on our eyes to see and uh, to process the world around us. Uh, however, uh, sometimes there are barriers to access for people who deal with eye disorders. Our eyes are vulnerable to many different ailments which may affect our vision and impair the way that we live and there are different conditions that affect our eye health including what they call refractive errors which uh, is needing spectacles or cataracts uh, which is the clouding of the natural lens in the eye glaucoma. It is by the way uh, National Glaucoma Week in South Africa but glaucoma is raised pressure in the eye and macular degeneration, which is often age-related um, and changes um, the central part of the retina and, of course, diabetes, amongst others. So we're discussing uh, the various eye disorders, the general eye uh, health, and how to know when it's time for your eyes to be checked by a medical practitioner. We also have this conversation, as I said, during international. It's actually International Glaucoma Awareness Weekend. Glaucoma is a disease that damages the eye's optic nerve as a result of a buildup of pressure on the eye. It's one of the top three causes of blindness in uh, South Africa. Dr. Anesu Matigane is an ophthalmologist, co-founder of All About Eyes and vice chair of the Ophthalmology Society of South Africa's Young Ophthalmology Group. I've struggled uh, with the word of the work that you do, Dr. Matigane. Good morning. Thank you so much for your time. Good morning, Komoso. Thank you so much for having me. So, I mean, let's start obviously with glaucoma. Why is it necessary to even have an International Glaucoma Awareness Week? Um, so the thing about glaucoma, before I get started, though, I'd just like to compliment you on um, how comprehensive and impressive your knowledge of IK is. Really no, not quite. I was reading it. <laughs> not quite. I'm going to be educated by you. <laughs> All right. Whether it was red or head knowledge, it sounded really good, and um, <laughs> you summed it up quite well. So glaucoma is it's a group of diseases where the most common risk factor is raised pressure. The reason why we dedicate a week to it, though, to create awareness, is that, as you've already mentioned, it's one of the top three leading causes of preventable blindness. And I want to emphasize the word preventable. So glaucoma is a disease that causes blindness, but if detected early and treated appropriately, we can prevent this blindness. The second reason why we need advocacy and awareness about glaucoma is that for the most part, until right at the end before you go blind, it's actually painless and symptom-free. So unless you are aware that there is a condition called glaucoma and you go for regular checkups for screening, you could potentially have glaucoma and find out when it's too late. Um, so just to reiterate, as you've mentioned, um, from the 12th to the 18th of March this year is International World Glaucoma Week. This is a week that happens every single year where we dedicate time to increasing awareness, advocacy, educating people. Um, a lot of our government hospitals would offer bulk mass free screening. 
So, yeah, we really want people to be aware that the condition exists and to go out there and get their eye pressure tested. Yeah. A lot of people go to check their eye health most of the time when it is too late or when there is a problem. Why should we make a concerted effort to see to our eye health on an annual basis in the way that we see to our body health, for example? So as I've already mentioned, a lot of the eye diseases that we encounter can be treated, but treatment and the um, or good outcomes are dependent on early treatment. So the earlier these diseases are detected, the better the likelihood of us achieving complete cure and us also managing to retain functional vision within the person's lifetime. The later these conditions are picked up, the higher the likelihood that it can lead to severe vision loss or blindness, or we find it at a point where there's absolutely nothing we can do. So it is advisable, as you said, that we treat our eye health the way we treat the rest of our health and go for regular checkups. We as ophthalmologists, we work very closely with optometrists. So I think for the most part, people are more familiar with optometry. People know that if you don't see well, you should probably get glasses. Mm. But people are not aware that there's actually a medical speciality. There are doctors who, after having trained as a GP, go on to then do an additional four to six years focusing just on the eyes. But if one is going to the optometrist, once a year, generally the optometrist will also check on your pressure, check on your optic nerve, and should they find anything that looks even remotely alarming, they will refer you to see an ophthalmologist. Yeah, and at this point, I'm going to invite our listeners to call if uh, they want to engage you on 086-000-2032, 086-000-2032, or the WhatsApp line 0614104107 as we talk eye health. But then let's try and get through uh, as many as um, we can of the eye diseases that are out there. But before I start with the disease, let me start with the eye allergies. What do we characterize as eye allergies? So that's actually a really good discussion point, especially because of the fact that we live in sub-Saharan Africa. So there are two different types of eye allergies. There's a milder form, which we call allergic conjunctivitis, and then a more severe chronic type of allergic ocular surface disease. This has got a little bit more of a technical name. We call this vernal carotid conjunctivitis, or VKC as an abbreviation. The reason why this is pertinent to our region where we live in South Africa is that this more severe chronic type typically occurs in black people more often than the other races. And um, it is worsened by a hot, dry climate, which we have lots of. And as I've mentioned, it has a chronic course with lots and lots of complications, if not treated. We see this condition very frequently in young children. It starts around the age of three, and signs and symptoms of it would be itchy eyes, but also a brownish discoloration of the white part of the eyes. And so if somebody does have a child who's complaining of itchy eyes, these kids need to see an ophthalmologist quite urgently so that we can start the treatment and prevent later complications. Um, Just to continue on the subject of allergies, people often ask, what is the allergen? Because people think of it the way you would think of being allergic to 
shellfish or peanuts. Mm. Um, but with ice, it's not things that you eat. It's mm. things that occur in the environment. Mm. So you can't avoid them. It's dust particles. It's pollen from plants. It's cat hair, dog hair, dust mites. So for that reason, you can't isolate yourself. So you need to actually be on long-term treatment. Yeah, so that's basically eye allergies in summary. Yeah, we're having a conversation with Dr. Anesu uh, Madigane around eye health. She's an ophthalmologist and co-founder of All About Eyes and uh, the vice chair of the Ophthalmology Society of South Africa. And uh, we are going to continue around the various eye diseases when we come back from this short commercial break. Welcome back. It's 11.22. It's uh, Health Wednesday on uh, the Talking Point on SFM. And uh, we are in conversation with Dr. Anesuma Digane, who's an ophthalmologist and co-founder of All About Eyes and the vice chair of the Ophthalmological Society of South Africa's Young Ophthalmology Group. Dr. Anesu, so let's get through the diseases. So let's start with uh, thyroid eye disease. Thyroid eye disease is... Um condition that results in the setting of someone who already has thyroid problems. The thyroid can either be underactive, uh, normal functioning, but most frequently we see it in patients who have a hyperactive thyroid. So as a result of too much circulating thyroid hormone and antibodies, these antibodies affect the eyes as well. Typical symptoms that you would see would be eyes that look bigger what they normally should, eyes that are bulging out. Um, most patients have a mild form of this condition where the main symptoms would be related to the appearance of the eyes, the bulging out and dry, scratchy sensation. But in a small percentage, the swelling of the tissues around the eye can be so severe that it starts to apply pressure on the optic nerve, resulting in vision loss. So again, this is something that anybody who has a thyroid condition should be aware of the need for regular eye checkups. Um, but this is generally handled by our physician colleagues. So these are the general medicine doctors who would manage thyroid conditions. They would work in conjunction with us and make sure that these patients are referred for screening. Yeah. And then there's, uh, I was quite interested to hear that there's something called HIV in the eye. What is that? Yes. So that's actually quite interesting. Most people are not aware of, um, I like to say that the eye is not an island. It functions within the body. Mm. So almost any disease that affects the rest of the body has the potential to affect the eyes. And HIV is no different. So we know that HIV affects the immune system, resulting in the person who is HIV positive being vulnerable to a whole host of infections. We call these opportunistic infections. Most people are aware of things like TB and syphilis that can affect someone who is HIV positive. But people don't know that those same opportunistic infections can then also spread to the eyes. So you can have TB in the eyes, you can have syphilis in the eyes. Um, you also have a group of specific cancers that are HIV-associated cancers, cancers that we see classically in HIV-positive patients. And some of these cancers can also affect the eyes. 
one of them being ocular surface um, squamous cell carcinoma, which we see very frequently. This is a very aggressive and destructive cancer that, if left untreated, results in blindness and furthermore, even death, because it can spread from the eyes, which are housed in the head, and then go backwards into the brain. So HIV and the eyes is a huge, huge topic. And again, with us living in sub-Saharan Africa and dealing with HIV so frequently, this is quite a, a big healthcare concern for us as ophthalmologists. Yeah, we we have some calls, uh, Dr. Anesu. Uh, good morning, Mustafa in East London. Good morning. Good morning, Outkeji, and good morning, Dr. Matigani. Yes. Good morning, Mustafa. Good morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, when it comes to eyes, health, uh, I care, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm affected. I was born in Albinism, yeah? by the way. Yes. Now, I got blind 15 years ago due to retinal attachment. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm physically blind. So I wanted to know from Dr. Matikane, as, as I encountered retinal attachment 15 years ago, then as time went by, I started developing corneal uh, complications. My cornea on my right eye was damaged by the silicone oil. Now, also, the glycoma is there on the other side, on the other condition that I'm, I'm currently being treated by the doctor in the standard. So I wanted to 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 maybe to ask if is it possible for the cornea transplant to be performed uh, on the person that is using that medium? Because I'm calling my doctor, they are against that figure in the standard. And and also I would love, I would appreciate if you can leave uh, the whole health details uh, so that I can seek a second opinion, uh, so I can uh, uh, to she can advise me how maybe can view my eyes in terms of the examination. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, do, do you Thank want to, to... Okay, okay, uh, Mustafa. Don't forget, Mustafa, to give then your contact details to the producers uh, so that He's they... got it, Ms. Oh. Andisa Oh, okay. It, yes. Okay. Uh, do you want to respond, Dr. Anesu? Yes, sure. Mustafa, thank you so much for um, highlighting some really important things. So first of all, Mustafa has told us that he was born with albinism. Mm -hmm. We know that albinism is a condition where you don't have pigment in your skin. So um, albinism has multiple effects on the eyes because the back of the eye, the retina and the choroid, relies on a pigmented tissue to also allow it to absorb light and to transmit this light to the brain for vision. So people with albinism inherently have multiple visual problems and eye issues because of the underlying albinism. On top of that, he's also had the unfortunate complication of a retinal detachment and then corneal disease and glaucoma. So Mustafa's eye condition is very complex. He has multiple diseases concurrently. Um, it will be difficult to advise him on whether or not a cornea transplant would be successful because all these factors would need to be considered. And so, of course, as you've already mentioned that you'd like a second opinion, that kind of um, specific advice can only be given after a comprehensive examination. That having been said, usually when there are multiple diseases occurring concurrently, the likelihood of achieving a very good outcome or achieving complete cure 
can become more challenging, as you can imagine. We're not just dealing with one thing. The second thing that I would like to highlight is that the condition that he mentioned right at the beginning, the retinal detachment, that is one of our most devastating eye conditions. This is where the nerves at the back of the eye that receive the image of light and then transmit it to the brain are separated from the underlying nutrient layer. The longer that retina is detached, the less the likelihood that it can recover. Because as I've mentioned, when we say it is detached, we mean that it is separated from the underlying nutrients. So essentially the nerves die off when they are detached for too long. So very often a chronic and long-standing retinal detachment, of which he's speaking about 15 years, very often can be incurable. And if that's the case, to then go on and operate on another part of the eye when the core functioning part of the eye is not working, very often might not yield the results that we would hope for. But as I've mentioned, that kind of discussion, because of the complex nature of Mustafa's condition, can only be had once um, a comprehensive examination has been done. Yeah. Um, so, Mustafa, then um, the producers will uh, give you, if uh, you want still, Dr. Anesu's uh, um, uh, contact details uh, once once we're done with the dis- discussion. We'll continue uh, eye health, uh, the eye health discussion with Dr. Anesu Madigane in a short while. It's 11.30 now, and N. Musa is standing by with the news headlines. Thank you. Good morning with the headlines at 11.30. I'm Dino Mutaung. Government says it has established a team to respond to violent student protests at various tertiary institutions across the country. In other news, police are investigating an incident in which a junior police officer gunned down another policeman in the city of Mbombela in Mpumalanga. Reports say the junior police officer then shot himself in the head and died instantly incident happened this morning. Details of the story are still unfolding. And the newly appointed electricity minister, Kosien Turamukoba, says the goal is to reduce rolling blackouts in the next 18 months after adding generation capacity to the grid. A full update follows at the top of the hour. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. Welcome back. It's 11.32 on The Talking Point. Uh, we've been talking eye uh, health today and eye, the eye health discussion and the uh, the learnings of the various eye diseases and allergies that exist. Is, we're having that discussion with Dr. Anesuma Digane, who's an ophthalmologist and the co-founder of All About Eyes and vice chair of the Ophthalmological Society of South Africa's Young Ophthalmology Group. Now in Pochestrum, you want to join the conversation. Good morning, Neo. Hi, Neo. Yes, good morning. Yes. Uh, and good morning to the to Dr. Madikani also. Good morning, Neo. Yes. Um, I've been going to... I've, actually, I've been having this problem since I was a child. I remember uh, maybe that time six, seven, eight. Like, I used to have brown eyes along the... Along the along time it became better. But now, uh, since last year, it became a little bit worse. The issue of allergy. So it became worse. I didn't know it was allergy until I go to the ophthalmologist in one meal. And then she put me on treatment for six months. Now is the first month. I've been using Patanol, Flucon, and Allerga 
optive. Op, it's a, it's a, the, the, it's the eye drops. So now, um, what I wanted to understand is, is that it, it has not been better. My eyes have not been better. So I wanted to know uh, what must happen since I've been using eye drops every day. Will I live uh, from now on until I, until I don't know with eye drops? And because mm. it's not becoming better. Mm. And again, my child is oh, it's seven years, it's a boy. It's having the same problem. Like now and then she, she complains about the itchiness. Mm. Last week, he, his eye was swollen. So I wanted to understand, uh, uh, is it genetical also? Can it be genetical? Okay. Okay. And the last question. Yeah. Since, since I'm I'm driving every day, uh, is it safe to use eye drops and then drive immediately? That yeah, that's 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 my question. That's, those are my questions, ma'am. Thank you very much. Okay, now. Thank you, ma'am. Doctor Matigane. Yes. Hi, Nawa. Thank you so much, Nawa, for really bringing some very good points to the discussion. So Nawa's complaining of what we had already touched on, Komoso. Mm. We spoke about the two different types of allergic ocular surface disease. Mm. The second one, which has got the long complicated name, but the abbreviation is VKC, which is typically seen in our black or African population and has a chronic long course with the potential for complications. So that's exactly what Nao is describing. Nao has also shared that his son has got the same symptoms. This is also common with this condition where it can be hereditary. If a parent has it, we see it occurring in children. Um, so I'm just going to touch on a few things that Nao had uh, highlighted. First of all, now the treatment that you were given, that is appropriate treatment. We would start off first with a milder um, treatment in the form of eye drops. And if that is not successful, we would then add on additional treatments um, which are more invasive. So we start off with antihistamine eye drops, which you've received allergics. And then there's a second eye drop patina, which is a mast cell stabilizer. If that doesn't work, we can add on a steroid, which is a more potent eye drop, which generally alleviates the symptoms quickly, but does have some side effects. So perhaps that's why Nero's doctor decided to first start with the milder eye drops. Should that not work, we've got some other options like injecting these steroids into the inner surface of the eyelids, which gives a higher dose and um, can relieve symptoms more quickly. So there's definitely a lot more that can still be done to treat Nawa's eyes. Nawa, you then asked if you would need to be on these eye drops forever. Um, because the condition is chronic, it is advisable that patients become aware of the fact that they will most likely need to always be on eye drops. Mm. The condition does have seasonal flare-ups. So we tend to notice that there are specific times, like spring, where we have more pollen and plants, um, more particles in the air, it's dustier, it's windier. Those are the times when the allergies would be worse, the itching is worse, the symptoms are worse. And then in winter, when the season has changed, sometimes the, the symptoms are better. So then the patient might not need to use the eye drops every single day in the winter season. 
but generally when you've got this condition, it's chronic. Then Nell also highlighted his concerns about his son. It definitely sounds like your son has the same condition now. And to prevent him from becoming an adult like you, where the condition has been long-standing and untreated, it would be advisable for your son to consult as soon as possible. Generally, if we start treatment early, we find that as the child grows and approaches puberty around 11, 12, 13, if it was treated well early on, it does tend to resolve on its own as they approach puberty. So for your son now, he definitely needs a consultation so that he can be started on treatment early and we can prevent him from ending up hopefully being an adult who still suffers with allergic ocular surface disease. Okay, uh, so we've got some voice notes, uh, Dr. Anesu. So what we're going to do is play the voice note and then you respond quickly. I think we have about a couple and then after that we will round off our discussion. Let's uh, hear those voice notes for Dr. Thanks, Anesu. Hi there. Um, there is this article that I once read which says that um, the regular use of Viagra and other sexual performance uh, enhancers may cause a blindness. How true is this? Viagra and blindness, Dr. Anesu? <laughs> That's a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some truth to it, although this would be considered to be a very rare side effect of Viagra. How the Viagra works is that it affects the tiny blood vessels that are supplying the penis and thus by increasing blood flow to the penis you result in a sustained and a firm erection. So we've got the same blood vessels all over the body. The eye is very sensitive. The blood vessels in the eye can be very vulnerable. So you can result in complications resulting in increased or variable blood flow to the eyes. So yes, um, his concern is correct, although this is an outlier, very, very rare side effect. I don't think it's something that occurs frequently. Okay, here's another one. Hi, KG. Good morning. Thank you for the lovely show. Please help me, or please uh, ask the expert to uh, assist me. I've got a condition, it's called dry eye, and um, it's something I've battled with for years. Uh, What can be used uh, what product can be used in the eyes to 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 help so that I'm not so much um, aware of my eyes, you know, because they're constantly burning. So, uh, what product can be used to help deal with the dry eye? Thank you. Dry eye, Doctor Anesu. Dry eye, very common, very annoying condition. Um, again, we start off with the milder forms of treatment. If that doesn't work, we escalate accordingly. First line would be lubricants, which moisturize the eye surface and help to regulate tear production. You can get those over the counter. You can go to any pharmacy and ask for a lubricant. There's a whole range. If that doesn't work, we then have got additional options. We can put in tiny little plugs in the tear ducts to block those to allow tears to accumulate. 
um, yeah, so there's a lot that can be done for dry eye, but also just to mention that it would need, again, a comprehensive ophthalmology examination to determine the cause. Some of the most stubborn forms of dry eye are stubborn because there's an underlying disease which is worsening the dry eye. And if that's the case, then you need to treat the cause and not just instill lubricants. Another important thing with dry eye is to assess the person's environment. Very often people who work in air-conditioned environments where there's a fan blowing all the time, um, artificial environments, that also worsens and precipitates dry eyes. Also, a lot of screen time, staring at a computer for long hours. So those are all the things that we would consider. But again, comprehensive examination is the best place to start with an ophthalmologist. Okay, here's another one. Good morning, doctor. This is Rini Padiachi from Renish Scottsboro. I'm 57, visually impaired. I did have an operation on my eye in 2016 and I lost uh, vision in my right eye and I have very low vision in my left eye. I need to know uh, after laser treatment and op operations, I find that my eye is filled with tears and can you advise me what can I do about it? Thank you, God bless. Good day, KG, and to the good doctor. So I would like to find out um, about pale optic nerves. Is it reversible? Is there a procedure for uh, pale optic nerves? Uh, is there any way that it can be cured or operated? Uh, anything of that sort? Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, those are the last two questions. Dr. Anes, you can respond to both of them and then we wrap. All right, I'll start off with the first one. I didn't catch her name. The lady with the concern of a right eye, which is blind and low vision in the left eye, complaining of excessive tearing. Um, so excessive tearing can be a side effect of having had multiple surgical procedures, which it sounds like she has had. So when you've had multiple surgical procedures, the surface of the eye changes, and this can result in dryness, which the body then tries to compensate for by creating excessive tears. Treatment for this would be the same way that we treat other forms of dry eyes, where we would start first with the lubricants to try and balance out the tear composition, keep the eye moist so that the body does not feel the need to overcompensate and make excessive tears. Apart from that, we would need to look at other causes of the eyes um, being dry, so optimize the ocular surface. And then, as I've already mentioned, if the initial treatment of drops is not working, we can consider punctal plugs, which are plugs which uh, block up the tears. Um, so that is for the first question. The second question, he mentioned um, having pale optic nerves. Pale optic nerves generally points to the fact that the optic nerve has become atrophic. Atrophy is a medical word which um, points towards disuse and loss of function. There are many, many things that can cause atrophy or paleness of the optic nerve. However, a lot of these conditions are irreversible because of the fact that the optic nerve is an extension of the brain. 
and brain tissue, unfortunately, it's just how it is, does not have good regenerative potential. So that means that in general, the brain and nerves, when they are damaged, they don't heal well. They don't recover well. And this is just how it is throughout the body. That having been said, when it comes to a paleoptic nerve, we would first need to grade it to decide how severe is the optic nerve pala or optic nerve atrophy. And depending on the severity, we can then look at ways in which to assist the patient. So even if we cannot cure the paleness or the atrophy of the optic nerve, we can assist with visual aids like low vision aids or other assistive devices to help improve the residual or existing vision that um, the person might have. Dr. Anesu, uh, at All About Eyes, uh, what is your website as we round off? So our website is very easy. It is www.allabouteyes.co.za. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it very much, and thank you for your teachings as well. Dr. Anesuma Digane, ophthalmologist, co-founder of All About Eyes and vice chair of the Ophthalmological Society of South Africa's Young Ophthalmology Group.